Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hi, and welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and we are today speaking with Sarah St. John. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'm going to introduce Sarah so that you guys have a little bit of an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. Sarah St. John is an entrepreneur, podcaster, online course creator, and author. She has created several startups throughout her entrepreneurial career of over a decade. She currently owns a podcast production company called Podseed. She also uh, has the, is the podcast host of Frugalpreneur, Building a Business on a Bootstrapped Budget, which aims to show people how to launch and manage an online business on a budget. I absolutely love this because I was actually just talking to somebody about this yesterday and how important I think it is for every entrepreneur to bootstrap in the beginning of their business. And I can't wait to dive into that with you a little bit more. So tell me, how did you get started on your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So it goes back to 2008. Mm-hmm. I had had six uh, I had had six different jobs that year, not at the same time, but wow. throughout the course of the year mm-hmm. <laughs> and realized I wanted to work for myself. I think I had always had an entrepreneurial bug uh, yeah. inside of me, but didn't really realize it until that point. And so I started with a photography business. I was doing weddings and portraits, um, but I realized that while I like taking photos of animals, architecture, and landscape, I didn't yeah. like taking photos of people, but that's where the money is, at least initially. Uh-huh. But the bigger issue was just the expense to maintain uh-huh. equipment and all that stuff. And so I decided right. to try an online business model, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I tried a bunch of different things like drop shipping, affiliate marketing, blogging. And it was in that process that I discovered all these free or affordable like, tools and software that you can use to run a business on a budget. So then I got the idea to write a book called Frugalpreneur. Mm-hmm. And then I launched the podcast to coincide with the book, also called Frugalpreneur. Um, and it was just going to be like an extra marketing lover um, to help promote the book but I got more leverage and traction with the podcast than the book. Okay. And I love the connections and networking. And uh, so I've kept that up. I've been doing that for three years and over 150 episodes. And so, um, and then I wrote a a couple of books now on podcasting, create a course, now have a podcast production and marketing agency, but it took, you know, over a decade of trying this, that, and the other thing to finally figure out, what my thing is so yeah wow that's fantastic so over a decade so you've been doing podcasting before you know people got bored 2020 I assume right and when did you start podcasting uh 2019 okay oh perfect yeah Yeah. because I know it kind of hit a huge everybody started doing it in 2020 because 
they're stuck at home, they don't know what to do. And so lots of people started figuring out creative ways to engage and make money. And so that that's fantastic. Okay, awesome. So your your podcast took off and mm-hmm. you have the Frugalpreneur brand that you've got now. So tell me a little bit more about how that came about. So Frugalpreneur um, is, is a brand where really you're promoting how to bootstrap successfully, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had the book and it was really just going to be the book. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the podcast was going to go with the book, but it wasn't going to be, the podcast has kind of become its own thing now. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, sometimes I do solo episodes where I talk about a particular software program that I use or recommend that's free or really affordable right. to run a business on a budget. But a lot of my uh, episodes or interviews uh, some of which are entrepreneurs who started their business for under a thousand and then bootstrapped it up to over seven figures, wow. not per year, but total. Um, and and then kind of their stories of how they did that without, you know, venture capital or investments or credit or debt or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those have been really interesting stories to hear and inspirational so oh absolutely so I have a I have a good bootstrapping story for my business Mm -hmm. so um I have been a serial entrepreneur my whole life and so most of my business because most of them were kind of started just to to solve a problem that I had or to serve a need um the first one was really just kind of um I was looking for business networking opportunities and just didn't find any that I was really engaged with so I kind of created my own networking group which became a business that was an event business Mm -hmm. um but this one in particular I own a security and event staffing company and I had you know I really wanted the first couple of businesses I really bootstrapped like I really didn't have any money to invest in them on the front end And so it just took a long time for it to get ramped up. So I was determined that I was going to save enough money to really be able to at least have a good website designed and, you know, get everything done without having to go into debt on the startup side. So I had saved several thousand dollars and was so proud of myself. And then right as I was getting ready to launch my business, um, my air conditioning unit in my house went out. (laughs) So all of the money that I had saved up to start this business ended up going into that, you know, replacing that unit. And so I was left with $500. And so I had gone to a couple of banks and said, Hey, can you give me a loan? You know, can you maybe help me? I had great credit, but you know, with a brand new business, nobody, you know, banks don't want to take that kind of risk. You know, they know the statistics that, you know, most businesses for fail in the first year. I think it's something like uh, 80, 90% fail in five years. So, I mean, it's a high risk. And so I was not able to have any success with the banks. And so I started my business with $500. (laughs) So, Mm. but yeah, it was just reinvesting back into it over and over and over and over again. So, um, Mm. you know, and I feel like it really kind of taught me um, more of that, you know, money management. You really have to be super careful. Like how bad do you really need that particular item, service, you know, product, whatever it is. And so you really start considering everything in the business. And I think it's allowed us to also be more profitable in the future. So because Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't overspend, we don't, we don't spend more than we make. We don't, you know, we don't put ourselves in a position to have to question if we're going to make payroll. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're in a fortunate position now, but bootstrapping, I think teaches you a lot of great, valuable lessons. 
Yeah, I love that story. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, not spending more than you need to, especially mm -hmm. starting out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, like, if someone's starting a podcast, sometimes they'll buy all the expensive stuff instead of just the $60 ATR 2100 mic that I have. Yeah. Um, you know, you can start for under 100 bucks, but I don't know. People feel like they have to come out of the gate you know swimming yeah. in or whatever um but yeah I and I'm always on the hunt for like new software programs that are that have a free plan available or a really cheap plan um that I can run my business better with and or like something that I can consolidate several yeah. different so I only need like one software to do a whole bunch of things versus a million different softwares that are, you know, five bucks a month or mm. 10 bucks a month that, and then that adds up. So yeah, yeah that's, that's my approach. <laughs> okay. So you talk a little bit about um, how to start an online business with just $5. So tell me that strategy. I would love to know, cause that's, that's very fascinating. Yeah. So if, so basically, I, I feel like every online business, well, every business period, but should have a website first and foremost. Right. Um, and because a lot of people think, oh, well, social media, you know, and, and it's good to have mm -hmm. social media and you should post there, but you really need to have your own website. Uh, and of course, you would need a domain for that. And you can get domains for a dollar at oneandone.com. Right. Um, and then like websites you can actually do for free on WordPress. You just have to pay for hosting, which can be as little as $3 a month. Or you could do like Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, something like that. Um, and then, so a website and an email list, a, a way to have an email list. Um, I use Sendfox, which is free mm -hmm. up to a certain number of subscribers. Um, and that one is especially good for like, podcasters bloggers and youtubers because mm. it'll automatically generate newsletters with your latest podcast or youtube video oh, or blog post and so basically when i say starting for five dollars that's like just having a website and starting an email list sure. you can get started and then maintaining for under a hundred a month is what i may uh what i recommend and what i do personally um, so basically that involves a lot of free software or software that's like under $20, um, under $20 a month. Um, yeah, so that's what I recommend. Okay. So, um, what top software programs do you find are most valuable to bootstrapping businesses or bootstrapping entrepreneurs? So one that I recently found in the past like couple months that I just love is called system.io, S-Y-S-T-E-M-E.io. Okay. And are you familiar with like ClickFunnels or Kartra or Kajabi or any of those? No. So it, it's kind of like that, but a lot more affordable. Um, basically it's like an all-in-one platform. You can have websites, sales funnels, membership sites, online courses, email list, wow. community, um, like all kinds of stuff in one platform and they have a free plan. And I was on that for, and 
at least the first month or two. And then now I'm on the $27 a month plan. And, but really like that's for a lot of online businesses, that might be the only software you even need to use. Yeah. Um, so that, and then for podcasting, I use, um, Descript as far as like the editing of the transcript mm-hmm. and the video and the audio and, um, and stuff. Those are probably the two softwares that I use like every day. Well, and yeah. Sendfox, which is actually free. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So for everyone who's wanting to start a, a, a podcast or a blog, um, you know, I know blogging is really popular on Word- WordPress has great blogs. And so templates that you can use to build your own blog. Um, so for podcasting, you know, when I was looking at launching my podcast, you know, my, my podcast is something that I was just doing as a passion project to bring the conversation about success um, closer to circles of women, um, because I feel like there's just not enough conversation um, about success as a female and and owning that power and owning that success. So I wanted to bring the conversation closer. So it wasn't really set up to be a money-making venture for me. It was just something that I felt passionate about and wanted to do. So for me, I wanted to be able to not necessarily have the most um, high-tech products and I didn't need the most robust you know, software. I just needed something that did the job and was affordable. And so um, I looked at so many different sites and it's amazing how many great sites there are for podcasters to really get the information you need. And uh, I mean, it, it's astonishing what I found in this whole, you know, area of, you know, you can, you can really build a podcasting business off of maybe two or three different platforms that you tie in together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Oh, so tell me, I'm sorry, I was, um, uh, you had mentioned um, affiliate marketing and some of the other um, online businesses. So those are really super popular right now. So um, online businesses, uh, affiliate marketing, um, you had mentioned a few a few others. Tell me about getting started on that path, because I know that's become a really um, a hot topic for a lot of people. Uh, with affiliate marketing? Yeah. Yeah, so especially like for any kind of content creator whether it's a podcast a youtube channel uh, a blog um affiliate marketing is a good way to earn extra income generally i mean unless you have a really big audience it's probably not gonna be enough to pay the bills or anything right but you know just as extra income and basically what it is is like if there's a relevant product or service or something that you use, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could talk about that on your blog or your podcast or YouTube channel, do like a, a product or service review or even work out something where they sponsor an episode. Uh, but even if if they're not willing to pay up front to sponsor it, you can kind mm-hmm. of self-sponsor it by promoting it and then um assuming that they have an affiliate program which a lot of companies do affiliate or referral yeah um and signing up for that and then of course like in your show notes you would just use your custom link Mm -hmm. um that tracks like if someone were to click on that basically or you can set up like a pretty link where you say Mm -hmm. like your website name.com forward slash whatever the product is and yeah. but then it directs to that 
specific link because usually affiliate links are weird with all kinds of numbers and letters and mm. stuff so um and yeah and so if someone were to buy whether it's you know a software program or a book or a course or whatever it is um usually you get sometimes a, a flat commission but usually a percentage anywhere from 10 to 50 percent um so that's a good way to kind of help monetize a blog or a podcast or a youtube channel um at least to some degree (laughs) okay all right very cool yeah I, i like that because um you know, monetizing uh, online businesses when you when you have a business and you're like, okay, I love writing this blog or I love doing this podcast, um, but how do I start making money out? You know, and not that you even need to do it necessarily for a you know a, a real income, but even if you're just doing it to pay for itself, you know, that's mm-hmm. definitely helpful. Um, so tell me about drop shipping because drop shipping is another hot topic that, you know, people are talking about a lot and drop shipping has become a huge, um, avenue for people to make money. So tell me how to get started in drops, drop, ugh, drop shipping. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for a while. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can s- set up a Shopify store and then use an app called Oberlo, O-B-E-R-L-O, um, which is like uh, a drop shipping marketplace, I guess you could say. Okay. Or I don't know if that's the right word. Um, a sub- like suppliers and stuff. Yeah. Um, or you can, if you have a WordPress site, you can use oh, what is let's see it's been so long now hmm. i think it's aliexpress drop. oh yeah there's yeah, a particular plugin yeah mm-hmm. and basically so what drop shipping is is like you're the middleman basically between the customer and the wholesaler mm-hmm. and so you're getting like okay i'll use an example that so mine was baby clothing that's the one i did and so the price might actually only be like two bucks let's say for the onesie (laughs) but you're charging like 20 bucks Mm. so there's an 18 dollar profit so it's kind of like you're your own amazon so to speak but sure the chat the challenge though is everybody goes to amazon so if you're drop shipping on your own website it's it's hard to compete mm-hmm. like to establish a brand and get you know because people are gonna be like well, why buy from this random website right. when i go to amazon yeah so i found that that was kind of difficult and plus what i was selling was such low i mean you know 20 bucks here and there versus mm-hmm. it, i don't know it just didn't end up feeling like it was worth it but i was experimenting and seeing how it um went plus yeah. the other thing too was like the the places where the products would come from were usually in china and which is why it was so uh affordable right <laughs> right but the problem is people are used to Amazon, you know, two-day shipping. Well, when some, something is coming from China, it can take like two weeks or something because of customs yeah. and all this stuff. 
And there are like local drop shipping places within the US, like wholesalers that you can connect with, but the profit, I mean, like your profit margin wouldn't be as high because you're actually paying more for the item. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, my my son actually did drop shipping, um, and that was the issue that he ran into is that you know he could get people to come to the store, but then they wouldn't buy again because it took so long for them to get the products. Mm-hmm. You know, he would go to AliExpress or something like that, and it would be a three week or four week delivery time, or he could pay more and make less money, uh, for for you know more, you know, quicker shipping from the U.S. And so for him, it just didn't make any sense. You know, he was, he was trying, he was putting his, you know, his effort into making it work. And he tried a few different products, but it was the same thing when it's coming from China and you're ordering one product at a time, you know, and you're not sitting there with an inventory of products that you can quickly ship out, you know, make that one product is, you know, three week ship time, shipping timeline is, it just doesn't make sense for most people. We want things now. I mean, Amazon has gotten to the point where you can get things that day. <laughs> so that's yeah, it's hard to compete with that. So, so tell me yeah, about, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say like, yeah. And especially like with what I was doing with onesies and things like that. Yeah. It's like, if it takes someone two to three weeks to get it, like the baby or the kid is already like (laughs) outgrown it by the time they get it (laughs) yes (laughs) so so you published your book and you did self-publishing is that right Mm -hmm. so tell me about some advantages of self-publishing over traditional publishing okay yeah I've actually self-published four books now wow okay Uh, (laughs) and um the advantage is it's all on your terms you control the Mm -hmm. whole thing and the pro so like with traditional publishing well first of all it's difficult to even get a traditional deal unless you're like some famous person that people know about Mm -hmm. and in that case it might make sense to go traditional Mm -hmm. because of book advances and things like that but for the average joe who has information they want to get out there yeah especially if it's nonfiction it and with as fast as everything changes within anything nonfiction like as far as business stuff goes um self-publishing the advantages you control it there's no one like over you telling you like you have full creative control Mm. plus timeline control you can release it as quickly as you want to where it's traditional even once the book is finished it can take up to a year or something for it to actually come out as i understand it um the really the only disadvantage i feel like is you don't get any kind of book advance but Mm. you make more per book you can set your own pricing so for example the books that i have like so amazon takes their cut so i self-published through amazon they take their cut which is like the printing price basically which is like $2.85, I believe, a book, if it's print. If right. it's um, an ebook, it's like a 30% of whatever you price it at. And, but then you could set the book for $9.99 or $19.99 or whatever, and you would make, well, let's see. Actually, no, wait, hold on. They take out the $2.85 if it's a print book, plus, I think, 40%. but still you can price Mm -hmm. it you're basically 
with traditional publishing you make like a buck a book yeah whereas with self-publishing yeah you're not getting an advance but you're you could make five ten bucks a book but um yeah just the ability to just have control over the whole process the timeline especially yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah I've known a few people who have self-published and um they've really uh thought the process was was easy and not you know it wasn't too complex so I think traditional uh publishers had a really great place when everything was being sold through bookstores you know because they had Mm. those relationships and and now that pretty much everything is done through Amazon I mean I can't even remember the last time I bought a book um you know from a regular store I think I think I had gone to a little boutique bookstore in New Orleans. And I think just out of, you know, just that, that wanting to purchase something from this local small business is why I bought Mm -hmm. a book, but um, I, it's, it's tough to even find bookstores anymore. So that that's the other challenge is where do you even find books in, you know, in print um, readily available, you know, when you're out and about other than a few Barnes and Nobles that still exist, but yeah. Yeah, I find like the only place I even buy a book in person now, because I buy, I mean, I buy books all the time, but it's always on Mm -hmm. Amazon. But like, if I'm at an airport, and I see a book that interests me for the plane ride, then I might buy a book. But other than that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing with self-publishing. Yeah, you won't get in bookstores 99% of the time. Mm. But like you're saying that's almost becoming irrelevant <laughs> yeah 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 i i basically only listen to audible anymore and that way i can keep mm. going i'm constantly i'm reading but i'm on the go <laughs> it's right multitasking. <laughs> but yes um so tell me about some of the obstacles that you have faced through your journey of entrepreneurialism and starting a podcast so i would say one big one is shiny object syndrome oh yeah like always wanting to try new things well until I found podcasting of course I want to try new things within podcasting but I think that's okay because it's with under an umbrella of that but like when I was all over the place with affiliate marketing dropshipping just everything kind of this shiny object syndrome of hearing about something and wanting to try Mm -hmm. that which I guess ended up being a good thing because then a book came out of it and a podcast but still for the average person you know it's yeah shiny object syndrome for sure and then I would say another obstacle is just spending so much time learning but not implementing Mm. like whether it's reading books taking courses listening to podcasts and all that stuff is good but at a certain point you need to implement what you're learning yeah. otherwise it's pointless and a waste of time <laughs> absolutely absolutely so who or what inspires you uh, i would say any of like the big podcasters yeah. and and i'm i mean there's a lot of big podcasters but i'm referring more to the ones that are specifically that deal with podcasting like john lee dumas or jordan harbinger Mm -hmm. um so i i think just their stories and how they've been able to 
you know, get millions of downloads and millions of dollars through yeah. whether it's sponsorships or affiliate relationships or products and services on the back end or whatever it is. Um, I think that's, I guess, kind of who I look up to or other yeah. podcasters basically who have done what I would like to do. <laughs> okay. Very cool. That's very good. Um, okay. So here's a question that I always ask on all of my podcasts. So, you know, it is a pretty powerful podcast and we talk about, you know, power um, as women. So as women, we often give our power away. We either, you know, do it on purpose where we are trying to give accolades to everyone else, you know, for work that we've done. Or we, you know, it's kind of taken away from us, you know, a boss, a colleague, a, you know, a spouse where, you know, they kind of dominate in a way that is, is not, maybe not meant to be, but is a little, you know, it just certainly takes our power away from us without our, our, without our choosing. So tell me about a time that you've given your power away and then tell me about another time where you've stepped into your power and what the difference was between those two incidents. So I would say the most common thing that I find myself doing in this area would be if someone were to compliment me or point out something that I did well or mm -hmm. something of that nature, I like undermine it or I downplay it, I guess. Yes. I think we do uh, that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's like just me and my personality or if it's because it's a female thing maybe like mm. because you know I don't know what it is um maybe a combination but I just like I have this one fellow podcast friend I met her through podcasting she has her own podcast and we've stayed in contact and whatever and there's times where she'll like compliment me or suggest she's like yeah you need to speak at this event because you're like an expert in blah 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 topic or whatever yeah and i'm like well, i don't know about that right. like you know kind of second guessing my own self or like what are you talking about mm -hmm. um but and then as far as like kind of how to get over that i found like actually maybe taking that into account or consideration like well if they think that and feel that way then maybe there's some truth to it maybe i need to consider it like maybe i should speak on this topic or whatever yeah. it is um and so taking power back in that sense like instead of downplaying it mm -hmm. um you know maybe take it to heart and actually do something with it because if someone says that and thinks that about you yeah. And there's got to be some truth to it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we do that as women. That's something that I, I see so common um, that, you know, somebody will give us a compliment and we immediately, we, we almost, um, we almost feel like it's, it's something we have to downplay in order mm -hmm. to, you know, be comfortable with it, you know? So it's like, you know, somebody says, Hey, what a great podcast. I'm like, Oh, I just had a great guest. Oh, you know, it's just, you know, the guest is really interesting today or, or, you know, whatever it is, I, I downplay my role in it and I give the accolades to whomever else, you know, I can, mm. or, Oh, I just mm. happen to have a good mic. Oh, it's just, you know, I have a great audio engineer. Oh, I've got, you know, it's, it's somebody else deserves the accolades, but definitely not me. And so I do that pretty frequently as well. Yes. Yeah. It's like we have trouble 
accepting compliments or yeah. thinking that, well, maybe we're actually good at this thing or yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like we we're afraid that we'll get an ego or we don't want to come off that way. Yes. And so we're like, we want to yeah. stay humble. And so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? I would say, let's see, hindsight is twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, focus on, okay, so basically I went to college for journalism, but I only got a two-year degree with it, mm-hmm. but, and I guess all that's fine, but I think if I knew then what I know now, I would have told myself, and I think podcasting existed. Well, no, I guess it wouldn't have until anyway, once podcasting was a thing, I would have told myself to, but to to start podcasting. But the thing is, is I feel like, I guess I kind of had to go through those different things to even get to the point of starting a podcast, but I wish I had started sooner because yeah. it was a lot easier back 10 years ago or sure. however long to, yeah, because a lot of the podcasters who are doing so well, you know, with millions of downloads and millions of dollars and all this stuff are yeah. the ones who started 10 years ago or more. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me wishes that I had just jumped on that bandwagon from the get-go, but like, I don't think I even knew what a podcast was until, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of maybe unrealistic, but yeah. Um, I know we, we all go through those woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, mm-hmm. I wish there's a million things I could look back and be like, why didn't I jump on that then? You know, why did I get mm-hmm. involved with this then? Yes. It's always better to be on ground level. Um, so last question, I've really enjoyed our talk today, but what do you wish more people knew? Oh, I mean, I guess when it comes to online business, I wish they yeah. knew that it isn't as difficult or as expensive as people imagine it to be like I think people just assume that you have to spend you know tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe if you had a re a retailer brick and mortar that might Mm. be true um which is why I recommend online businesses (laughs) uh but even then people might think that and so yeah I just wish people would would know that anyone can start an online business do it Mm. affordably Mm -hmm. and and monetize whatever it might be uh in some way shape or form yeah absolutely well thank you so much sarah i have really enjoyed our time today um i really appreciate all of your incredible insight oh well thanks for having me i appreciate it (laughs) yes absolutely so thank you everyone for joining us today we've reached the end of the pretty powerful podcast but we hope you will join us again next week you can check us out at the pretty powerful podcast.com and sarah's information will be on there as well so you can reach out to her so thank you again sarah have a great day thank you for joining our guests on the pretty powerful podcast and we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.